Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Woo! And the T stands for Today is Opening Day. Knock it out, Joel Friday. That's right. We do have to talk some basketball first part of the show. We'll get that out of the way because I think all of us want to get to the diamond. But before we do anything else, we want to thank you guys for tuning in at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get your podcast. We appreciate you guys being with us here on a very cold opening day, especially our servicemen and women out there. Hopefully you guys make it back to Duty Noble very soon for some baseball. want to thank our sponsors, the Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Again, if you were headed to the ballpark today, it would not be a bad idea to stop by and pick up a hot chocolate or a hot coffee to keep you warm out there. It's going to be cold. Thanks for the idea. I think I'll do that. There you go. I, if nothing else, their sponsorship paid off today. So there you go. And then, of course, our friends over at College Corner. You can check them out online at collegecornerstore.com or you can go to either one of their great locations in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet or by the Half Shell uh, in Flowood. And check out the air selection of MSU merchandise. Everything you're looking for, maroon and white, they've got you taken care of at College Corner. Let's talk a little basketball before we do anything else. True or false? Loser, this game's not getting in. Mississippi State, Arkansas. Got instinct, true. Yeah. If you look at th- these are two teams that are they're tumbling right now. And it's hard to believe I'm saying state's tumbling, but at the end of the day, they have lost two out of three. And they had a, you know, they both of these teams had a bad loss on Tuesday night. These two teams need a win in the worst possible way. I think the loser of this game is going to the NIT. That's as simple as I can put it. Uh, and for state on the road, they just have not been good on the road this year. They've got to change a they've got to change a lot of trends if they want to come out of this game with a victory. Most importantly, I think they have to show they've completely shaken off what happened to them Tuesday night, and I think that's going to be a tall task. Yeah. If ever there was a game that may end up being two losses, it was that one. Because, yeah. I mean, they just got kicked in the teeth. And, uh, I mean, that, that goes two ways, though. Because sometimes when you get kicked in the teeth, you, you, you're you chomping at the bit to come right back out yeah. and say that's not who we are kind of thing. So, look. State has responded to adversity pretty well this year. I mean, when when you're 0-3 in the SEC and that third loss came on a buzzer beater and it kind of starts looking like, man, we're not going to get anything going for us at all. And then look what they – they roared back, won what, the next five in a row? And uh, five five league games in a row. Um, I mean, this, this, it's not like this team hadn't stared adversity down and overcome it before. So uh, – I do think, again, that Mississippi State is the most talented team that will be on the court in Arkansas. The problem is, State never plays well in Arkansas. At least historically doesn't play well in Arkansas. Right. Um, I mean, does that mean much? No, not really. Uh, It just kind of carries with it a feeling that you can't anticipate State playing well up there. But I don't know that that really matters that they they don't they haven't historically played well up there because I do think they're the most talented team on the floor. But it is humongous. I mean, this is uh, it's not it's pretty darn close to must win. I, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to not say it's must win, but it's kind of tough to come up with a scenario here where it's not must win. The scenario where it's not must win is like you lose it and then you win out. Mm-hmm. Then you're okay, but. I mean, do you really want to put yourself in that situation? I don't think so. So, no, I don't. I don't think you would put yourself in that situation at all. Um, a very interesting situation for Mississippi State, where they just 
you just can't look at their, them right now and have a whole ton of confidence in anything that they're doing. Now, this time a season ago, and this is basically this is sort of the point. Maybe maybe a week earlier that Tyson or not Tyson Carter, Nick Weatherspoon was suspended. Correct? Yeah, because he missed the final ten games of the year, which included what the last seven regular season games. State played two in the SEC tourney, right? Right. Yeah, so he missed the last seven regular season games, two in the SEC tourney and the NCAA tournament game. Yeah, he missed the final ten games last year. So, yeah, it's right about this point. So, looking at State a year ago. And it was at Arkansas was the first game that he missed. That's right, that's right. And they State won that game, though. Yeah. Looking at State a year ago, you know, they started out two, three. Going into that game, they were – Either they were just above 500 in the SEC. They had lost to at South Carolina at home to Ole Miss. They had lost to Kentucky, uh, lost at Alabama, lost in overtime at LSU, lost again to Kentucky at home, and then beat Alabama. And, th- and this is sort of where it was really this week. It was February 12th. They beat Alabama, and then they went on a, f- a five-game winning streak, and that is what turned the tide for that season. The difference was this. State's non-conference had been so much better that year that their net, even throughout the losing part of the, 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 the schedule, never hovered much lower than the mid-30s. This year they're in the low 40s, or in the high 40s, however you want to look at it. They're 48, right? at least the last time that I checked, at 48. This is really the last opportunity for a marquee win. and it, I mean, I hate to say marquee because it's not, but it is. it would be qualifies a quadrant one win, assuming that Arkansas doesn't completely bottom out in the back end of the schedule here. So they did it a year ago. Can they do it again is is the real question. To do so, I mean, you look at those games last year that they that they, uh, that they they won. You know, I mean, beating Vanderbilt was obviously nothing important there. But they beat Auburn, who ended up, you know, going to the Final Four. That Auburn team was a little bit in flux at that point. They won at Ole Miss. They played LSU really tough. I'm sorry, that game was in Starkville. It wasn't at LSU. I, mean, I remember that. Yeah, Nas Reed hit that. Re- oh, yeah. oh gosh. Um, you know the Kentucky game. They played tough. They beat Alabama pretty easily, and then it sort of went from there. This team has just—they just haven't played well this year. It's just the way. There's just no other way to put it. They—they—they they, they, they beat down in that three-game stretch at home. They beat up on three of the worst teams in the conference, and Arkansas is in that group. I'm just not impressed with this team for some reason. And and I feel like I should be because I feel like they're talented, but they don't play talented. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, it's another instance. At least right now, you can kind of look at it and say the the sum isn't equal to the, the total of the parts. Like you would think, given the talent on this roster, that we wouldn't be talking bubble at all right now. We'd be talking seeding. Yeah, that's what you'd think, you'd but think. but that's not where you're at right now. You're battling to to try and get into the thing, and it just doesn't seem like, given the talent on this roster, that should be the position that you're in. Um, I, at some point, though, you you just are what you're. I think I think it's actually Andy Kennedy, but you are what your record says you're. Yeah. You are. Yeah. I mean, and and state right now is an inconsistent basketball team with what I think is the potential to be one of the you know top half of the league type team and I guess they are uh top half of the league but yeah, I mean yeah, but, but that doesn't get you far last year uh, top half of the league was good enough to finish as a five seed this year the top half of the league may not get you in may not even get you in yeah so 
I mean, they they are uh, to quote our brother Art there out there. <laughs> Let me try that again. Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah. Dang, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> uh, that's where state is right now. I mean, you just you can't take anything for granted. The opportunities are running out. You got to win. You just got to win. And and you have to take that Ben Howland one game at the time mentality. You can't be worried about who you got next week, next week's next week. Uh, to quote scripture, tomorrow has its own worries. Worry about today. State's just got to beat Arkansas and then figure it out from there. Um, they put themselves in this spot by being incredibly inconsistent. And you can shoulda, woulda, coulda it all along. You know, Nick missing time hurts and then finding his chemistry and 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 the team kind of gelling a little bit there for a while Take, took a little while to get to that point and uh now they're hitting another rough path. i mean you, you can shoulda woulda coulda it all you want to and blame ben howland or blame what you want to but what you are is what you are and what you are right now is a team that basically you can probably afford i mean if you i think if you went on saturday you could probably afford another loss, right? At some point, at some point, you're to running go. out of, of. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, it depends on who it is. And well, that's the thing. You look at the rest. Other than Alabama, you're looking at a bunch of sub seventy five teams in the net. So anyway. All right. So then I, I hate to break it down that that simply, but there's really nothing else to say about it. Just win. You're right. What's your uh, pleasure playmaker? I think it's Nick Weatherspoon. Coming got to bounce back. Coming off of what he did in Oxford. Um, Mississippi State's not going to win with him having nights like that. No, they're just not. Um, you know, I don't even think I do. Th- I still think Tyson Carter's kind of big for State because uh, if he has the kind of Tyson Carter nights that he can have, they're probably going to win. But DJ's doing so much offensively now. I almost think it's not as important as it was a couple weeks ago. I agree with that. Um, Reggie is important, but you can you can about count on him to get a double double or right right at it. Uh, even even on his worst nights, he's probably going to have a double double right at it. So you can kind of count on him. I just I, Nick, if Nick is is pretty good, Nick State's going to probably go to Arkansas and win. Mm. And if he goes up there and he's turning the ball over again and not really not giving you much of anything, they're not. Uh, so I, I kind of think it's kind of think it's on his shoulders a little bit to to get something going. It seems highly unlikely, doesn't it, that Nick Weatherspoon would have back-to-back games like that? It does. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't um, seem like that's going to be. the I mean, case. what we saw out of him in Oxford. I'm trying to think back over the course of his career. Well, I mean, I, he said it. He said, it. "I've never had a game like that." Yeah, that's right. Said that on Twitter. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking along those same lines. But at the end of the day, I feel like DJ Stewart is sort of rounding into becoming the second best player on this team, even a little bit better than Woodard, and so he might be a key. So I'm going to say Stewart needs to, uh, especially if Carter's not going to shoot well on the road. And at this point in the season, I don't have any reason to believe he's going to. He's shooting 26% on the road this year in SEC play. And don't have a whole ton of faith that he's going to you know, shake it off and have a, you know, a 15, 16 point day where he shoots 50, 60% from the field. So DJ Stewart to me needs to be the, the outside compliment to Perry. And, and it, Stewart is really good. Really good to the point now where I'm wondering if they made a mistake not redshirting him last year, that he could have maybe provided a little extra boost that would have taken them past Liberty in the first game. I don't know. Well, I think by that point of the year he was kind of banged up. Yeah, I guess so. Whatever, but so. I mean, I'm saying from day one, should they have redshirted him? I understand you had a lot of guards last year, but that guy's talented. You know, he needs to be on the court. Uh, so yeah, Stewart is who I'm going to go with. I'm going to say 
I don't have any faith in this team. I don't. You know, the 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 faith I had, just I left it in Oxford. It's it's I, after watching that performance, watching them lose a game that they needed to win, and watching them just get run off the court like that, I need to see some more. You know, I'm sort of back where I was a few weeks ago. I'm gonna take Arkansas to win this one, uh, 78-68. I think I said on the show um, in our. Ole Miss State recap that I thought they'd win this game. So I, I guess to stay consistent, I'll, I'll stick with that. I'm not confident that it's going to happen. But again, as I said a minute ago, I think State's the, the most talented team that'll be on the floor in Fayetteville. So okay. I'll I'll go with State. Um, uh, 72-68. All right. Close win. Close game. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's shake all that off, all that negativity. It is a day that Joel Coleman has been longing for mm. since probably Mississippi State lost to Kansas State in football. I would imagine that's when Joel turned his attention to the diamond. <laughs> At that point, he knew football wasn't going to be great. He's not a huge basketball guy. He he put his import his focus on what was important to him. I mean, if we if we're going to be honest with this thing, I mean, I've probably been ready for it since about the day we left Omaha. Well, the first hour we left Omaha, you were focused on the road because we, yeah, we thought we were going to die. We, we, well, shoot, that wasn't just the first hour. It was about yeah. the first leg, the first half of the trip yeah, or you're more. Not, you're not wrong. All right. Talk me through it. Talk me through your, your you, you, you posted your projected starting lineup. Talk yeah. me through it. I think the first five are easy. Yeah, first five are easy. Really, first six. Yeah. Uh, Rowdy Jordan's going to lead off and play center. They don't have to announce that to to tell you. <laughs> I mean, we've been hearing it. Do you think that that Lamonis might just mess with us a little bit? I think we've all assumed that Rowdy Jordan's going to lead off. Rowdy Jordan's going to lead. I mean, off. I think he is, but is there any chance he might, you know, jerk us around a little bit? Nah. All right. Rowdy Jordan's going to lead off and, and play center. Uh, I you know I, I'm I'm interested to see if uh, if Lamonis does any moving and shaking in the lineup, but. I, I kind of don't think he will. I kind of think Westberg hit second a lot last year, so he'll hit second this year. We'll, we'll see. But I, I'm more concerned. We can talk about batting order in a minute. But um, I think, by and large, we know everybody on the field with the question marks being in left field, third base, and DH. Um, Rowdy in center, Tanner in right, Hatchard first, Boscu at second, Westberg at short. Hancock behind the plate right. on opening day. Now he he yeah. did. Chris Lamonis told us on Thursday that that uh, Hancock and Logan Tanner are going to play about equally behind the plate this year, mm-hmm. if he had to call it right now. But I think Han- Hancock will probably be your opening day catcher. I would imagine. Yeah, I agree. Th- and that only leaves DH in left field and third base. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seems like Brandon Pimentel has risen to the top of the heap and left, which I think most people expected because you know he's another power bat. He's too. got the, yeah, he's got the bat. Um, which I think that allows you to go a little more defensive at third. Mm-hmm. And all we've heard all fall and spring is how good defensively Cameron James is. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think. And again, I'm, I'm time you you get to the ballpark. At maybe you may look at the lineup and it's different. But I kind of think Cameron James might get first crack on on Friday. Mm-hmm. Now I do think he, he's not going to play every game over there. I think Landon Jordan's going to play some and. Mm-hmm. Some other guys, maybe, but uh, if I had to guess, I'd say Pimentel and Love, Cameron James at third. And in my projected lineup that you mentioned a second ago, I said Landon Jordan, DH. But you run into a – it's not really a problem, I don't guess, but State has a lot of really good left-handed bats. Mm-hmm. That seems they're like the opposite of, of a problem. They're kind of left-handed heavy. Mm-hmm. And so in that projected lineup that you mentioned, 
I, I mean, we can just run through it. Most of you probably saw it if you follow me on Twitter. But I, I had uh, Jordan leading off, Westberg it's hitting second, Allen hitting third, Foscue hitting fourth, Hatcher hitting fifth, uh, Luke Hancock hitting sixth, Pimentel hitting seventh. Is he a lefty? Yes. Okay. Landon Jordan hitting eighth, mm-hmm. and then Cameron James hitting ninth. But the problem with that lineup, if they go with something like that, and even if they don't, they're probably still going to have a spot in the lineup where there's three left, three or four lefties in a row. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, Wright State this weekend's starting three right-handers. So yeah. from from a starting pitching perspective, that's not a problem. And for the most part, it's not going to be a problem. I mean, there's just more right-handed pitching in this conference. There is, is and 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 I think that. Look, like John Cohen, when he was the coach, he didn't mind pinching somebody in the third inning, you know? Mm, so yeah. if somebody brought in a lefty, you know, you could pinch hit Cumbest for Landon Jordan. Like, say Landon Jordan is your DH, and then they bring in the lefty. Well, then all of a sudden you just let Cumbest DH the rest of the day, right. you know? I mean, you, you pinch hit in that spot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, State kind of has – they have the depth, I think, to to do something like hit three or four left-handers in a row if they wanted to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not – I'm totally convinced that my projected lineup there's going to be right, but I think it's going to be something that looks something like that. And uh, State is probably going to rely heavily on a bunch of left-handed hitters, and there's probably going to be days where there's going to be three, four of them maybe in a row yeah. in, in the back half of the lineup because it's just that's the ta- the team that you have, and yeah. you have a lot of guys. I mean, a Tanner Allen. I, here's where I wish I had his splits in front of me, but in my mind, I don't picture him as just being completely worthless against a left-handed pitcher. Right. Uh, Luke Hancock, his plate discipline is such that I feel like even if they went lefty-lefty with him at the plate, he could handle it. But I feel like if there's a left-handed starter, that's a day that you'd probably see uh, Logan Tanner behind the dish. He's a right-handed bat. And right. From all accounts, a pretty darn good one, too. I think his bat tool is much better than his uh, catching ability. Not saying that he's bad doing that, but I think his bat's the more valuable piece right now. Who um, among the guys we know, so basically one through six, you know, who takes the biggest leap forward this year? Uh, I mean, that's a hard question. Yeah, because you got some because, guys who are already playing an All-American you, Yeah, you, you got, you got six. I mean, if Tanner Allen or Justin Foskey takes a leap forward, they could be the Golden Spikes winner. Yeah. Um, I think you'll see a more consistent Westberg because mm-hmm. Lord knows he had the month and a half of just he couldn't get out not, i mean he, he couldn't touch the baseball it seemed like there for a little while yeah. well i mean he had at the beginning part oh, of last year, yeah, the first he couldn't part get out yeah and then for like a, a he went through about a six-week stretch where it felt like he couldn't touch he the couldn't ball. get on yeah, yeah. um I, I think you're gonna see a more consistent westberg um for one so if you want to call that a big step forward i mean i would go with him but i really feel like with those four or excuse me with those six you can really only go with hatcher or hancock there um, I disagree with that. I mean, how much better can Justin Foskey be? Well, well I mean, I mean, not Foskey or Allen, right? But I think Westberg could take a step forward. I think Rowdy Jordan. Remember, Rowdy Jordan got off to a horrible start last year. Can he be consistent the whole season? And then, of course, Hancock and Hatcher, you know, are the obvious answers. But I don't think it's it's out of the question that one of or one of the really you know the guys you know the the two year starters. Could could move forward and become an even better player. I don't disagree with that. I just think that there is more room for Hancock and Hatcher. Just because for Hatcher, as good as he was towards you know the last half of the year last year, he still 
in each of his first two years has only played like half the year both times. Yeah. So if he has a full season mm-hmm. and he kind of is the full season, what we saw towards the end of last season, goodness gracious, State's going to have a what a top five yeah. right there. <laughs> I mean, they're all five uh, all SEC first or second team. Yeah, already. Yeah. Um, and Hancock, man, I, I think I think he's just scratched the surface because to me, if you swing at good pitches in this league, you're probably going to be in good shape and. For a freshman to last year be able to work counts and kind of get his pitch and not swing at crap and just I, – I really feel like he can have a big year. Yeah. Um, I'm more interested with Hancock in seeing how he can handle the catching load Yeah. so much. Because I think offensively you don't have much to worry about with Hancock. That's just my limited viewing of him. That, that's yeah. kind of my opinion of him. Let's switch gears to talk about the pitchers. I don't think we need to ask a whole lot about JT Ginn here. I think you know what you've got there. When he's healthy, he can be a dominant starter. But McLeod and Saratola, I mean, we have very little to judge Saratola on, and we have even less to judge McLeod on. With McLeod, we're really just re- relying on word of mouth. You know, But yet he seems to be the one everyone's higher on. Right. Why do you think that is? Is it just because he's a lefty? Do you feel like he's you know, Saratola's control issues are still an issue? Why is there so much confidence in Christian McLeod? Well, I, I just think that he has – granted, it hasn't been under the bright lights, but I think he has more consistently displayed the command and, and things that, that you really need to have as a starting pitcher. Um, I I think back to my conversation with Chris Lamonis back in December, and we were talking about this very thing, and I, I was basically saying, why is there so much confidence in this guy that hasn't thrown a collegiate pitch – and, and yet he's pretty much – at that point, I don't want to say he was guaranteed the Saturday slot, but everybody pretty much knew he's going to be the, the number two guy on the weekend. And and Lamonis, all he, one of his main things was, I mean, if he had been healthy last year, he'd have been in the rotation. Uh, th- this isn't like he just come from out of nowhere and they, they stuck him on Saturday. I mean, they, they thought going into last year he was going to be a weekend starter. And uh, his, his illness, of course, ended up red-shirting after that. And they have a ton – of confidence in him, and I, I, I guess it's just because everyone that I talk to has confidence in him. I think it, it almost seems like uh, there's very little to worry about with him, and I, maybe words that I end up eating later on. But to me, it, it just seems like Sarantola is the wild card here, like not McLeod. Now, yeah. you never know. It's baseball. Lights may come on. Duty Noble Field cranking and smoke floating over the lounge and, and maybe all of a sudden it's too bright for, for McLeod, but I've talked to no one that thinks that's the case. We we saw with Sarantola last year that things kind of got to him a little bit, mm-hmm. it seemed like. Because everybody he talked to last year with Sarantola, his bullpens were apparently incredible yeah. and then he would go out there to the mound. And couldn't throw strikes. Yeah. And and so you, you wonder is that going to be the case again? Now we saw down the stretch last year, it seemed like he improved. Yeah. So if you take that into account and you think get get the freshman jitters or whatever out of the way and, and now he's a little bit older and he's done it before, nothing's going to be first time for him. He knows – I mean, experience is something that gets thrown around in sports, but, I mean, it's real, man. It especially, real. especially, I think, if you play college baseball at Mississippi State mm-hmm. because there are colleges that you could go to out of high school and probably not have much bigger crowd than you had at high school. Yeah. And at Mississippi State, 
you go from playing in front of nobody, mm-hmm. a few to, hundred, yeah, yeah, to playing in front of fourteen thousand, yeah, you know, at times. I mean, it's midweek it would right. be, but it's just different. And now Sarantola has seen every kind of crowd, every kind of whatever, and and so if if he can just focus on just being him and doing his job. He could be really good, but but he's gonna have to go out there and prove it because right now his reputation is he can he has first round caliber potential, right. but he ain't shown it yet. Yeah. Does he remind you? I, I, I've made this comparison a season ago, but there's a little bit of Dakota Hudson there. That Hudson, I remember the first time Hudson pitched, and you thought, okay, this guy's throwing ninety. Yeah, we said that last year. Ninety five, ninety six, and 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 you know he looked great, and then he just he never got control back in his freshman year, and it took yeah. him a couple of years to get things together and know. when he did it was outstanding he was first round pick. but you know and everybody hopes this is a dakota hudson type story for him right but for every dakota hudson there's a you know brandon, brandon woodruff, woodruff yeah. who i mean now look at him he's yeah. he's fantastic but, he, but at mississippi state he had very few pitching highlights to hang his hat on yeah i agree i mean he had all the potential in the world even you know when he came to state mm-hmm. he just never really put it together here now he he darn sure has now yeah he's doing quite well for himself and he's one of the most filthy pitchers in the big leagues but but yeah here he didn't i mean and i think too we mentioned another guy a few weeks ago evan mitchell yeah. was a guy in yeah. mississippi state that just had all kind of stuff but couldn't put he it just, together. You just never knew what you were going to get when he went to the mound. What's the role for Carlisle Kessler this year? Is he the first guy that if Sarantola can't get it, that they might look to to Sundays? I, I kind of think that that could be the case, but we keep hearing his name mentioned, and, and Lamonis has called him the swing guy. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, when he I hear today, when I, yeah, he said it again today. When I hear swing guy, I think midweek guy. Because yeah. that would allow you to work out of the pen on the weekend and maybe get a midweek start if you needed the, to. The guy, pick another comparison. J.P. France is the first guy I'm thinking of with Kessler. Can can he give that same role of giving you some relief innings here, giving you some midweek, and then in the occasional start on the weekends, he can still provide some 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 value. Yeah, I mean, and there's some. Uh, I mean, there's some value in just being a midweek starter because, I mean, somebody's got to do it, you know. And I feel like that that Carlisle, given his his just wealth of experience, I mean, I think that there's not going to be any kind of role that you can't throw him in, and he'd be, he'd be pretty successful. So, uh, I mean, he's definitely one of the top names on the list, though, if if things don't go well for Sarantola, or McLeod, for that matter, right? Um, to step into that role. But it, it does – when I hear swing guy, though, I, if he's going to do both, it just screams to me that you think he might start a midweek or two, and then you can use him out of the pen on the weekends if you need to. Who are the other names to watch here as far as potential? I don't want to talk about the bullpen. Who's who's another name that if you know they might throw out, or who's a potential midweek guy beyond Kessler? Ah, uh, the. Uh, I feel like now we're getting into where we have to really guess. Well, yeah, um, but I, I mean, I don't necessarily mind mind guessing a little bit because i mean what have we proven if nothing else on this show we're just a couple of idiots so uh, davis roscoe is a name that i've heard a lot um mm-hmm. left-handed pitcher freshman six foot 195 uh i he is a guy that i could see uh you know may, maybe getting a chance at some i mean lamonis has told has said at, at times in the past that 
that he's a name. If you made me just throw out one name of somebody that I could see, you know, getting some starts, I, I'd probably go him. What about in the bullpen now? You asked about roles, our roles starting to get defined, and and he didn't really have much of an answer for that. Who you know, Landon Sims seems to be the name that comes up the most as not only the a potential name to watch, but as a potential closer. You know, to step into that ninth inning role. Yeah, and you know, when he answered that question today, he, he threw out uh, Chase Patrick's name. He threw out Will Bedner's name as guys that you would probably see in the in the late innings. But I mean. Gosh, man, look at look at these guys. Will Bedner's a freshman. Landon Sims is a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Patrick is a you know he's a junior, so uh, he's he's a little he, he's not as young, mm-hmm. um, but he's new to Duty Noble, right? Uh, so you're dealing with a whole bunch of, uh, of new guys. But I, I go back to the bullpen to what myself and, and Riley Self was talking about at Media Day, and that's just since Riley Self has been at, at Starfield every year, bullpen's a question. Yeah, and every year they just they figure it out. There is such a wealth of talent down there that you can kind of run through some guys, and eventually going to run into one or two that's going to be okay. It's it's interesting with me with the bullpen. There's three veteran arms there, and none of them ever get mentioned. Self, Spencer Price, and Jack Egan, and yeah, nobody talks about it. The only thing they talk about is are they going to be healthy? You know, Self. Has battled injury. Of course, Spencer Price is now two years removed from Tommy John. Yeah. Jack Egan, you might remember, uh, went down with a, a, a medical issue. I don't remember exactly. In the regional. In, was it during the regional? Or was, I, think, it was, I think it was during the regional. Regional or super regional, one of the two. Yeah. I think it was a super regional. No, I mean, we were there at night. That's all I remember. Yeah, it was one of the two. Yeah, and, you know, didn't pitch again after that, so... You got these three guys who've been out there, and especially with Price himself, have pitched in big games and made big contributions. But I don't think anybody's counting on anything from them this year. Doesn't seem like it. Seems like anything you get out of them is just a little cherry on top of the icing. Kind and of if thing. you get the self or the price you had in twenty seventeen, well, now you've got something. Yeah. And I mean, Spencer had—I can't remember which scrimmage it was back a couple weeks ago—but he had a pretty good scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that doesn't mean much anything when you're out there and. The lights aren't on as bright, but just to build a little confidence back for Spencer and let him feel it a little bit, I mean, that's big. I just, I, there's potential there. And at the very least, you got a couple guys that's done it before that can maybe calm the nerves of some of the youngsters down there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'm like you. It, it's kind of weird to have two, two guys down in the pen that everybody knows their name and, and they've played big roles for this team in the past. And, and now, despite the fact they're still on the team, it's like they never get mentioned. And they're sort of afterthoughts. It's really weird. And, um, and I won't be totally surprised if, if at least one of them comes out this year and becomes a, a quality reliever. Yeah, well, you know, Riley Riley pitched a good bit last year. Yeah, but he, mean, just, he's, he wasn't himself. He, but, no, no pun intended there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's see, he got hurt at one point in the year, too, didn't he? He like, mm-hmm. fell some steps and like hurt his heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came so. out there in the sling there midway through the season. But – but yeah, if either one of those guys, how big would that be? If one or you know, especially if both. But I feel like you're being Huge. pie in the sky there. Huge but, if it happened though. Um, yeah. But but Landon Sims is the guy that I've been hearing about him for since the fall. Just yeah. he he apparently has well D one had him listed as as the, the the closer had him listed as that's the guy. You know, so I don't know where they're getting that from, but that's who you know. They, that's what their scouts and what they when they came to watch Mississippi State, that was the impression they got. 
So we've talked about all these freshman pitchers. Who are some? Fr- you mentioned Cameron James earlier. Who are a couple of freshmen, you know, in the field and in the batting order who could make a, a difference for MSU? We talked about Cameron James. We talked about Logan Tanner a little bit. What about guys like you know Mason Land? Uh, trying to see some of these other guys here. Uh, Tanner Leggett. His I know his name has come up a couple of times. Yeah, it has. Um, you know, a guy who is not a, a freshman but is a sophomore, whose name was thrown out a lot in the past few weeks is Bryce Brock. Yeah, and, and I think he, he's impressed some, and I think you're going to see him out in left field some. Um, Drew McGowan's a freshman, and I think you're probably going to see some out in left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you're, you'll see him get some, some playing time out there. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I'm kind of scrolling through the roster here yeah. to, make, to make sure I'm not like forgetting a guy or two. Um of course, we like I said, we've already mentioned Logan Tanner. Um, yeah. Let's see. Casey Hunt is he going to? He'll be more of a pitcher though. Yeah, I, he, I, I saw him pitching a couple of scrimmages. Um, I, I think I may have only seen him pitching one scrimmage. He actually gave up a bomb to Foscu the, yeah. <laughs> the game. That, he won't, he, but he won't be the last. He won't be the last one to do that. Uh, to do year, that, so. um, it just feels like the state's going to have some guys who play some roles for them. But I, I don't know that there's a guy. There's not a, a other than James. That that has the opportunity to break through and be a starter this year. There's just too many veterans, I guess. You know, it's it's this is this is actually when you draw up a starting lineup for what you want an elite team to look like, it looks like this. There's no seniors. Seniors, you know, nothing against Mangum and McNamee, who had opportunities in pro baseball, but for the most part, when you have a bunch of seniors, what you're saying is you have a bunch of guys that MLB could have drafted at least twice and didn't. When you have a bunch of juniors. That and that's that's the most of your starting lineup. That means you've got a ton of potential, you know. Because when you look at it next year, I expect I, I I wouldn't be totally surprised if Rowdy came back because I don't know what kind of pro he's going to be. But Allen and and Westberg and Foskey, those guys are going to go, and they're just too talented not to. So this is this is this is sort of the year, right? This is the sort of the last year of this window. And then you're going to have to sort of put it back together, unless unless you get lucky and guys like Blaze Jordan and Austin Hendrick decide, hey, I really want to go yeah. to college. And it's way too early. I, like you said, I, I think that of those four, if I had, and, and this is more me guessing than anything, but mm-hmm. I, I think Rowdy's probably the most likely to to return for mm-hmm. a senior year. I think Tanner's probably second most likely. Those other two guys, I, I think they're going to go pretty darn high. They do too. Uh, Westberg and, and, and Foskey, I think, are going to go pretty high. I think it's. Barring some kind of disastrous something this year, I, I don't see any way that that they're back. Probably, but All right. um, but yeah, that's how you draw it up, man. <laughs> you look at that team. Uh, the The only question marks because to me, I, I know left field and third base. There's some things to figure out there, and who's going to play, and how much they're going to play, and there there ain't anything completely set at either of those positions, but. Everybody in the country's got a position or two or three, where you or more, where you got to figure something out. I'm not worried about that because you, you look at the other spots in that lineup. State's offense is a okay. You don't have to worry about that at all. I don't think the only things to to really, if you want to just be one that stays up at night, worried about where this team's headed, is can McLeod and Sarantola live up to their potential, and can they figure out a two or three reliable guys out of the pen. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I know stuff always comes out over the course of the year as far as injuries, and, and then you have to shake things up. and that, That's just stuff that you can't really prepare for until it comes. But 
right now, heading into opening day, if you tell me that that McLeod is pretty good and Sarantola is just – I mean, he's, he's a Sunday starting SEC. It's not like he has to go out there and beat Dakota Hudson. Right. He just has to go out there and get you five innings. and He has to be Peyton Plumley. Yeah. Yeah. And, and could he do that? Yeah, I think he – and I, I, look, I really like Peyton Plumley, but Sarantola's got better stuff than Peyton no doubt, Plumley. No doubt about it. I mean, this team could be – well, they're a top-ten team. I'm not breaking any news here. Consensus top ten. This team could be elite. And, and I – they've got questions to figure out, but there ain't a soul on this planet that's going to be surprised if you and I are eating some Big Mama's fried chicken in Omaha come June. <laughs> well, let's make those predictions then. Last year, I think people forget how crucial it was for MSU that the way they played in the non-conference. They lost one game, non-conference, the whole season. They lost week two, the Friday day, Friday game against USM. one nothing in, in 10 innings. innings. Yeah, one nothing in 10 innings. They could have done anything else, you know. That's, you know, that's the difference between hosting and not. You can have a great conference record. I always talk about 2014. That team was 18 and 12 in the conference. That should be good enough to host every year. But they lost eight non-conference games. So they didn't host. Simple as that. Um, this team, you know, you look at this non-conference schedule, it feels relatively manageable. Oregon State, it's it's a premier matchup, but this is not the Oregon State of two years ago. You know, going out to Long Beach will be an interesting trip. You have your, your usual tough midweek games with Ole Miss and USM, South Alabama, things like that. But, you know, North Alabama, of course, we know them. They're huge, huge upset machines, as we all know. They, they took out a certain other team in this state a season ago. You do play Southern, who, you know, you saw in the regional last year. And in a one-game situation, they're a dangerous team. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's possible to, if we set the baseline – Let's say in the conference that they go eighteen and twelve, sort of the same thing, you know, because that, that would be two games off of last year, I believe. I think they were twenty and ten last year. Is that right? I don't have it in front of I me. I think that's right. I can't remember. So twenty and ten, you know, if they're if they're eighteen and twelve, they they really need to go what in the other twenty four games. They they can't be much worse than twenty and four, right? If you want to, if you want to. Be assured of being a national seed. You, know, you, you can't have more than thirteen to fifteen total losses. I would say that sounds about right. So, I, just as we sit here today on February the so thirteenth, you know, we always talk about oh that's baseball and anybody can beat anybody. But last year, state took care of its business, and that's why it was a national seed. It could have had the exact same record in conference play, but if they had found a way to lose two to USM and lose the Governor's Cup and maybe lose another one or two along the way, they might have been the nine or ten seed. So, you know, these these opening series are so are, are very crucial for Mississippi State. They need to, you know, basically, I would say that when they go to the West Coast, they need to have no more than one loss. If they lose one next week to Oregon State, that's that's not that's not a huge deal. But they should be, you know, what they play four, seven. Eight, nine. They play nine games. They need to be eight and one at worst going to the West Coast for Long Beach State. And if you lose one at Long Beach State, you're fine. You come out of that ten and two, you're on your way to a fine season, I would say. Yeah. I, I would just also encourage folks and also don't this, forget about this, Texas Tech too, that two game set there. That's a big series. This too. will go in one ear and out the other, I know, but I mean it's baseball, guys. You're you're gonna lose a game or two somewhere along the way and you're just like that was stupid. Yeah, you say that. They didn't last year. They didn't last year. But like the the only game last year that they lost, I was like that was stupid. There were two. There was a Tennessee game with the crazy error, 
and then the South Carolina game at the end of the season where if they had won that, I keep thinking about that game sometimes because it changed so much for MSU. If you win that game, you're not playing the night slot at the SEC tournament. So you're not playing that stupid game against LSU. You're playing in the morning. And, you know, you don't have to play Vanderbilt. That You're on the other side of the bracket from them. So how, how, much, how different is everything? You know, if getting a couple, getting a couple of more wins uh, been worth, you know, getting to the other side of the bracket, I, you know, getting away from Vanderbilt and Omaha. You know, could you could that have, could have helped you? So I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not. What about this team? Give me a predicted order of finish in the SEC, the SEC West, the SEC, and then what? What's where? Where does the last game of this season get played? Whew. Um, the thing that's so it's so tough to pick who's going to win the West. Because you could roll a... It does feel like a two-horse race, though, this year a little bit, between State and Arkansas. I guess it does. And I I actually think I kind of like State better than Arkansas. Interesting note. We've been talking about it the past couple days on Sports Talk, and that's they did the top 30, top whatever, pitcher power rankings at D1, and Arkansas has nobody in the top 50 for pitching. Yeah. Now, State only has Ginn. Only Ginn. But they have Ginn. I think Ole Miss had two, didn't they? Two. They have uh, Nikhazy and Hoagland. Yeah. You know, Hancock's obviously there. Rocker, Hickman from from Vanderbilt, uh, the guy from South Carolina whose name Richard learned to pronounce, but I, I can't. Uh, Asa Lacey, of course. Tanner Burns. But Arkansas is just Arkansas, and this is the comment I made. Tell me if you agree with it. Arkansas and State, like twenty five years ago, would be the odds on favor to win the national title because they would mash their way there. I mean, this team with those bats would win a lot more games than they're going to win. Fox, they're going to win a lot of games this year. Fox, Fox, Fox could hit 30 he home hit 35 runs. bombs or something. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, he would I guess, challenge Brandon Larson's record. I guess I'll go full homer here and say State wins the West. Vandy wins the, the SEC regular season title. Um, I just I can't shake that given the experience on this team and if I, I think if just one of those those two pitchers on the weekend hit, whether it's McLeod, whether it's Sarantola, I think you're in Omaha. So I, I will I, I will just keep the, the sunshine pumping feeling going on here and I will say state will finish the season in Omaha. I, I I'm not gonna predict national title or anything That's like that. Are you, are you saying they're gonna win the last game? I mean, if you made me guess, I'm going to say no, because it's so hard to do. Yeah. So, it, but yeah, I, I'll say they get to Omaha, and I think this is an Omaha team. And, and I mean, if, you're not, you, you're if, not. if you want me to predict, I will say they come up short in Omaha again. But if they had another pitcher, if Ethan Small decided to come back for one more year, I would say they'd win it. Yeah. I just don't. I just today, as we sit here today, I don't know enough about McLeod and Sarantola to tell you that they can give you what Ginn and Plumlee yeah. gave you a season ago. Now, if McLeod comes out gangbusters and you've got a dominant one and a dominant two... Then you're and, fine, yeah. And uh, Sarantola gives you a little bit. Then all of a sudden, we're, we're having different conversations here in a month. Do we determine the SEC champion the last weekend of the season when State travels to Vanderbilt? How fun would that be? I'd be there. Yeah. And if Superdog doesn't want to send me, I'll just go stand and sit in the stands as a fan. 
<laughs> go sit right behind the whistler, and I would just constantly spill a little drink on him every time. I haven't looked at Vandy's schedule. I wonder who they miss in the conference. But they play anyway. Ole Miss. I know that they play State. I don't know about the rest. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. but does it really matter? Yeah, they're, they're just a machine. Yeah, they really are. It's it's. I mean, I could see because just think. I mean, for it not to be decided, mm-hmm. State would have to be you know four games or more behind Vandy. Then that I mean, that seems, there's a darn good chance that State's within three games of Vandy going yeah. into that final weekend. Yeah. So assuming so, Vandy, you know, and that's not taking into account Georgia and Florida. Yeah. What's going on there? So that's going to say. I mean, Arkansas could be right there too. So yeah, you know, no doubt. Or anybody. Or Auburn or anybody. LSU. Yeah. 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 It's going to be another year, another year of great baseball in the SEC. We're looking forward to covering it. We're looking forward to being at Diddy Noble today, even though it's going to be freezing cold. Uh, we will be there. Uh, we'll have coverage throughout the game, and of course, we'll talk about. We'll wrap up the series uh, on Sunday and uh, have everything you want to talk about for MSU baseball Week One. Guys, have a great opening day. I'll be back with you on Monday for Joel T. Coleman. Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.